Hello and welcome to the Pelly Podcast. Lower League Scottish football is serious business and this is a serious podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and this is the second part of our interview with legendary defender Andy Graham. In the first instalment, Andy spoke about his five years at Stirling Albion and his spells in full-time football with Hamilton Academical and Greenock Morton. When we last spoke with Andy, he had just left Capelo. So Andy, why do you choose to join Dumbarton? At the time, I remember, I'm not really, I didn't have, I think I had a couple of options, not many to be fair, um, and I went to speak to Alan Adamson at the time, who was the manager, they'd just, they'd just been promoted, and mm-hmm. I thought, my, that, I want I want to stay in that league, because I, f- I felt I had, unfinished business is a, a phrase overused, but I did feel <laughs> like that, and I felt that I wanted to prove to myself and to, to other people that I could compete at that level and I think that was the overriding factor in me, in me joining Dumbarton was that they, they managed to get promoted and I thought, yeah, I want I want a bit of that, I want to be part of mm-hmm. it. Um, and I met Alan Adamson and Jim Chapman at the time who was still at the club. Um, he wasn't manager, he was, I think he was head of youth or, or something. Oh, right, I thought, I thought he'd, uh, he'd uh, No, he was still there just at the start. He then did leave, right. um, but I met with him as well and I liked the vibe that I got from... from from them and, and the club in general and, and thought to myself yeah this is this is the one for me and almost immediately you were appointed uh, captain of the club why do you think he gave the armband to you? <sighs> no idea <laughs> no I <really> didn't <laughs> it was uh, I think Paul Nugent was yeah. there the year before and he, he left off I was friend with Nuggets because I'd played with him at, at Stirling he was really good to me he was he was brilliant he always helped me out with my lifts to, back to Glasgow and things like that he was great and uh, he said he'd been the captain the year before and he was another person I'd asked about the club and even though he was leaving he still said it was really really good and he enjoyed it so that was part of my sign, reason I signed as well um, and it was I think Brian Prunt he was the vice captain with Prunt's um, and he pulled the two of us and just said listen you know, and at that point, I was like, "Listen, I'm no, not interested in coming in and being the captain right away. That's not something I'm interested in. If you, I've no issue." But Prince was absolutely brilliant. He says, "No, you, you take it." So he, that was that was really good for him because it could have been easy for him just to say, "No, I was the vice captain. I want to, I want mm-hmm. to take on the captaincy," and he didn't. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, took the armband from there and kept it for a, a wee while. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't work with Alan Adamson for long, but what was he like no. as a manager? Um, different than anything I'd ever came across okay. in football. It was good, different, bad, different. I need to say bad, different because we lost our first <laughs> eight or nine, eight or nine games of the season. It was, it was not as organised as other managers that I'd seen um, okay. or that I'd worked with. It, it was, it was more off the cuff kind of stuff and some of the stuff we were doing in training. I didn't particularly, you know, it was. I remember because Jack Ross was the number two at the time, and he was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Going to Jacko later on, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, but I remember Alan Adamson a few times saying to Jacko, "No, you know you're not you're not taking training tonight." And he wanted to take it, and he wanted to just run us, and we literally ran for the, the full night. And, and that happened a couple of times. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, right, "Come on!" You hear that a lot from part-time players that you've got training has to be fun because you're only doing it. it, it, it like twice I wouldn't even a night, say you know, yeah, it's got to be fun. But at the same time, it's got to be related to the game as well. When you're part-time, boys need to look after themselves in their own time. That's that's the way I see it. They should come to training fit. And we were a fit team. It wasn't. We weren't losing games because of fitness. That wasn't the reason we were losing games. So, I felt we were the first ten games we were far too open. I think we were playing four four two and two wingers, and, and we were we were just so open, and and it, it punished us at the end. So, um, I didn't think things were, were working out as well as I obviously hoped. Thinking to myself, here we go again. This is, um, but you know we're getting absolutely. We took a few doings in there as well. I remember going to Livy and, and we could beat five 0 and. We, we took a few hammerings in there, so it wasn't just. I think the first game we played Airdrie as well, who were yeah. part time. They 
dumped us 4-1 we then played Cowden Beath part time yeah. beat us 3-0 and that's when the alarm bells are ringing you're going oh wait a minute here we should, these, these, these are the guys we need to be competing with to stay in the league and they're, they're destroying us so the change was made and I think it was the, the right decision by Dumbarton at the time now, I'll talk about some of your teammates. I mean, there's some very iconic Dumbarton players in your team, like Scott Agnew, Pelly podcast guest from last year, Brian Prunty, as we mentioned, Gary Fleming, Jim Lister. Uh, what all those guys like to share a dressing room with? Brilliant. It was it was uh, it was one of the best dressing rooms I've been been a part of in, in my career. It was absolutely brilliant. You know, the great great guys. You, you've mentioned touched a few of them already. Even Mark Haney, brilliant for for team morale. He's the cheekiest wee guy you'll ever come across in your life. And the amount of times I saw Jimmy Lister ready to crush his wee head was, was incredible <laughs> but he was just that he got away with it because he had that wee smirk and that wee charm that um, he was absolutely brilliant so no it was a great squad of, it's a great squad of boys and um, we really came together it brought us together probably when, when the manager did lose his job and mm-hmm. we had a couple of weeks where we didn't have anyone in and, and Jacko was taking yeah. things and we actually picked up we won a game away at Cowdenbeath 1-0 yeah, that's right Michael um, got the yep. how, how, how big did that feel to get your first one of the season yeah, yeah, massive. It really did. And at that point, you were thinking, right, okay, we've got a win. We can, we can settle down a bit. And and but I don't, I don't even think the belief really wavered from the squad that we could stay up. You know, we knew we had a good team. I just felt that we were too open in the first quarter of the season, if mm-hmm. you will. And I think when Ian Murray came in and and Jacko, the, the two of them partnered really, really well and made us much harder to beat. And, mm-hmm. and we then became a team that was. When we were losing games, we weren't losing four 0 and five 0 We were losing two one, mm-hmm. and obviously that, that's mentally much easier to take because you know you're in the game and you know you've got a chance of taking something from it. Yeah, you mentioned Ian Murray there. Um, what was he like? First impressions, awful. <laughs> no, it was it was it was brilliant for us overall. What did he say? I mean, I'm sure Scott Agnew said something that his first meeting was like, "I don't know who you guys are. Half you won't be here next season." Something like that. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> we, we were trained at Tory Glen, and he came in, and we thought you know, played a really good yeah, level. He yeah, was coming yeah. in. And, we thought as a player manager at the time, we were thinking, oh, by the way, what a player. He's only 32 at the time. We're yeah. thinking, this is unbelievable. We signed a great player and, and we're getting a manager out of it as well. So he came in and it, and it's a hard thing to do. I'm not saying, you know, at, at that age, standing up in front of a dressing room of boys and commanding respect immediately is a very difficult thing to do. And I think he was nervous and I think that's probably why he didn't mean to, you know, if you look back now, you'd be like, I didn't mean to say that. But it's the way it came out and it was basically, you know, if we've not been good enough and We'll get players in and you just won't be here and we were thinking <laughs> <laughs> right let's go and train lads we're on. let's go let's get motivated um, but quickly we realised that that wasn't what he meant really um, and keeping Jack as I said was it was a brilliant mm-hmm. thing to do because how did the pair of them work together really really well because he realised quickly that Ian Murray's strengths lay in his professionalism and the way that the things that he brought into the club so all of a sudden we, we went from basically I wouldn't say a lot of professionalism, and that's not down to the players. I think when it, it, it comes from the top, it comes from the manager, and, and it breeds through the squad from that. Um, he brought in you know just small things, ice baths that I've now do, I've done ever since then, and will continue to do so. Um, that the boys were made to go in. It was pre-match meals. We started having pre-match meals before every home game, which at the time boys were like oh no it's a nightmare because I need to be down there at, I need to be down at the barn at 12 o'clock and, but looking back on it I think it was a really important thing mm-hmm. for us because it meant that we spent more time together I think on, on a Tuesday and a Thursday we were training at Tory Glen which is a wee bit different because when you're training somewhere like that you turn up at quarter to eight you're out training at eight you're back in you're finishing late boys are in the shower on their way up the road mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of squad time together 
on a Saturday we got that because we would go down for a pre-match at 12 have your pre-match and you'd have about an hour and a half to actually spend time with each other and I think that really helped squad yeah. morale and you know, it was, a, it was a small change that made a big difference. Oh, certainly made a huge difference because from January onwards, the team's form was absolutely fantastic. Before the new year, you had eight points, but you finished the season with 43 in seventh place. Did you see that revival coming around at Christmas time? No, I, I didn't see that coming. Um, I put it down to the Christmas night out. That would have been... <laughs> <laughs> you always see an upturn in results, I think, where certainly teams have been involved in after that. So I think that definitely... That definitely helped, probably, but no, I didn't. I didn't see us. I didn't envisage us getting forty-three points. I wouldn't have saw that at, at, when we were sitting with eight points, or you know, no wins, or no wins in the first quarter, or whatever it was. You wouldn't. You wouldn't have thought we'd have went on to kick on that much. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I knew we were starting to really, really compete in games, and I knew that we could stay up. That was the belief that it wasn't that we could get forty-three. But it was just we can stay up. We can do this, and I think the momentum built from January onwards and. Mm-hmm. We just started getting results, and as were I say, were you surprised at how well you were doing? A little bit, yeah. I have to say, we had some big results in there. You know, I remember beating you know, Falkirk away. We seemed to win every time we went there, and I think it took guys a wee bit of time to find their feet. We had a lot of players that probably hadn't played at that level for a while. We remember Gary Fleming coming straight from um, from or the from juniors, yeah, straight from the juniors, and what a what a player! I mean, Gaz was fantastic, absolutely brilliant for us, and Jimmy Lister, who'd probably not played at that level either, and he was. Incredible. I was. I think uh, a lot of people were surprised that Dumbarton had gone in for him, given I think he'd been at Brecon or sort of, and yep. Berwick Rangers the previous seasons and hadn't done very well for them. Well, they did brilliant for us, and he was um, he was an absolute handful to play against. Big boulderhead Jimmy. He was um, <laughs> he would chase anything down absolutely, and I saw him chase his own flick on a good few times and get there <laughs> at the other end. He was and and he just didn't give defenders a minute. And I think that was what really we brought through Ian and Jack was was that. Be competitive and make sure that nobody gets away and, and, and beats you four and five and, and things mm-hmm. like that. That that we, but we had, but that was because we had a better shape to the side and we had a better, you know, outlook on it before the games. It, again, it was more professional. Ian Murray looked into the opposition a lot and and would be very vocal about their weaknesses and, and how we could hurt them. And right, I like okay. that. I like that about him. And I liked that he focused on that. So all those little things add up, and they clearly did because we ended up finishing the season really well. Yeah, when you look back in that season, how do you feel? Proud really that we, we you know it was it was a it was a good season. We finished seventh at the start of the season. You were saying right, finish above Airdrie and Cowdenbeath. They're the two part-time sides, so you finish above them and and you're delighted. You stay in the league, so to finish one place above that was yeah, it was it was enjoyable. It was a really enjoyable season. As I say, the dressing room was absolutely brilliant. You and you some really really good players in there. Paul McGinn as well, who, mm. who came in and Scott Agnew, Gary Fleming, great really good players that that stepped up and. Mitch Meganson, I remember coming in and mm, scoring yeah. a lot of vital goals for us. So yeah, no, it was, it was really enjoyable. And as I say, the dressing room was brilliant, so that helped the whole season really. Now the thirteen fourteen season, Dumbarton were probably one of the most entertaining sides in the whole country. They scored sixty five goals, which was the second best record in the championship. But they conceded sixty four, which was the worst. Um, why was there such that sort of uh, beauty in the beast there with Dumbarton? Yeah, I think the gaffer was was mad. You know, he, he didn't like losing. 1-0 and he would just say no we're going for it and he, he, he said that at the start of this. I remember him saying it 3-0 1-0 I don't get that we want, we want to make sure we, we give it a go so we'd be maybe 2-1 down for example going into the last 10 minutes and it'd be, I'd be up front and everybody'd be up front and there'd be nobody back and we'd, sometimes it worked don't get me wrong there was t- there was times we got points and we got wins from 
we, we should never have got them and it was just because we were just literally throwing as many men forward as we could but on the flip side of that there was times where you'd lose another and you'd lose another and, and that was just the way he wanted to play and it was it must have been really entertaining for the, for the fans to watch because there was a few games 4-3s and 3-2s and things like that but as a player and I probably shouldn't say this as a defender but you'd rather <laughs> play in that that's, that's, it's enjoyable it's enjoyable to play in because you're, you know you're never out of the game and, and that was the way we felt at that season certainly we were never ever dead and buried in any game mm-hmm. You played alongside a rotating cast of centre-backs that season you played alongside Aaron Barry Mark McLaughlin Mikey Miller what were those guys like to play alongside? Yeah, really good Aaron came up from down south on loan and got injured quite he played a few he was, he was a good young player and then got injured Marco came in. It was I loved playing with Marco. He was he was brilliant, great communicator, and so aggressive. And I think we complemented each other quite well. I, I thoroughly enjoyed playing with him. He was he, he was must have been eight, seven, eight at that point. Um, but you would never have known it. He was looked after himself really, really well, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed playing alongside him. He was he, that aggressive streak that just that was brilliant. brilliant Is he your favourite guy you've played alongside? Um, one off, one off. He's up there. Um, there's a few guys I've I enjoy. I've enjoyed playing alongside. But yeah, Marco would definitely be up there, and and as as players, I enjoy playing beside. Yeah, good lad. Who is the best centre back you've played alongside? Oh my goodness. Um, probably Marco would be the the best in the in the sense that as a centre half, out and out centre half. Yeah, but I mean, I, I've built up a really good relationship with, with Scott Taggart, for example, mm-hmm. over the years. Who from him being right back, me being centre half, but then. Well, come on, to it, I'm sure, but you know, but the last few seasons at Aloha, where he's had to move into centre half, and again, complementing styles, tags is quick and reads the game really, really well, and doesn't he fancy heading the ball much to be fair, so he allows me to go and do, go and do that side of it. So there's different, you know, Laurie Ellis, I thoroughly enjoyed mm. playing with him at Stirling Albion as well. I've, I've got to have, have him a mention as well. He was really good to play alongside. Again, I was younger, he was more experienced, but he was he was a great communicator and, and, and really helped my, my game as well. So yeah, no, it's been a, a good few over the over the years, that's for sure. How how do you make a good defensive partnership? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm thinking like uh, Albion Rovers and Stennismere, you had like Mick Dunlop and Ross Dunlop. Mick was sort of like win the headers, you know, do all the heavy stuff, whereas Ross Dunlop was better on the ball, good at bringing out defence. How how do you find like a good balance between your centre backs? I think it's it's about how they got on as as a pair as well. I mean, even that's just I can't believe I forgot about him. Jason Marr at, at Aloha. I thoroughly mm. enjoyed playing with, with Jason. And you would say that our games are probably quite similar. He's aggressive, he's strong in the tackle, he's good on the ball. You know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed playing with Jason. So sometimes it doesn't need to be one's quick and one's aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just how you got on with them as a person, I think, as well. And I think that's got a, a big part to play. If you can go on with each other off the park as well as well as on it and you trust each other is probably the most important thing as a centre half. You need to know that what they're telling you. Is, is right and you listen to them and then the more that happens the better the partnership becomes With three games to go Dumbarton were in fifth place they were levelling points with Queen of the South in fourth at that point do you think you could go and finish in the top four? We did yeah <laughs> I think we did it would be wrong of, us, wrong of me to sit here and say that we didn't because we had a squad at that point that we were thinking do you know what we're, we're well clear of relegation let's let's give this a go we're, we're not that far away and the, the manager and Jack had us believing that that was achievable. And Did they ever talk about it say we can kick Absolutely. Yeah, they, they didn't shy away from it. You know, it wasn't something that they said, oh, you know, we're doing okay to sit. They were like, no, let's let's go for this. Let's, what an achievement that would be. And ultimately we fell short. But I think having that goal and driving for it probably kept us well clear of relegation because we weren't even we weren't even thinking about it. We were actually just looking at that going, right, we can we can get that. You played Queen of the South at the Rock on the 19th of April 2014. Queens Lost 3-0. 3-0. Aye. What happened there? That was it. Was frustrating that day because that was the day that you go right. If we win this, we're going to yeah. we're going to get fourth. And 
probably just a, lo- a long season. You know, Queens were a good side. That's that's let's not take that away from them. It wasn't like they they, they, were, they were a good side, and at mm-hmm. that point they were always challenging for the for the playoffs. So they were probably a wee bit more experienced than us at, at that side of it. And they they came down to us and and deservedly beat us and, and and got the fourth place. But at that point. We weren't too disheartened because, as I say, we had such a successful season, and I remember the manager and Jack saying that after the game. Listen, don't don't let that detract from what what you guys have mm-hmm. achieved, and and it was important that we, we didn't do that because to finish that on a, on a disappointing note wouldn't have been right because yeah. we had such a successful season. Of course, yeah. I mean that Dumbarton side are arguably one of the best lower league teams of the last fifteen years. You know, to think that a part time side could get into the top four in the championship. When you look back in that season, how do you how do you feel? That was one of the most successful seasons of my career. We, we ended up in the Scottish Cup quarter final as well. We, we played Aberdeen up at Petordry and we were very unlucky to lose lose 1 0 that day. So, overall, the season was even successful in that sense that we had a good cup run, everything about it was a good with a good feel about it. So, it's definitely what, yeah, one of the, one of the most successful in my, in my career to finish fifth with a part time team looking back on it now is, is really, really good. In summer 2014, Jack Ross left to join Hart and Midlothian and, and given what you've said about him, how sorry were you to see him leave? Yeah, really sorry. We, we, he's the best coach in the sense that the sessions he puts on are absolutely fantastic. You'll not hear anybody say anything different that's worked under him. I would yeah, challenge you to find somebody that would tell me that they weren't, even if they weren't in the team, even if they weren't you know, part of the, you know, a big part of the squad, they would still say that training was really, really good, mm-hmm. really hard, really enjoyable. So varied. He put on so many different sessions for us that you were. That's what you loved about it. It was you just didn't know what you were going into every night. And at part time level, that's really important. And you know, he was a very good communicator. I think that helped him and, and, and Ian have that mm-hmm. good relationship. So when he left, yeah, you're thinking, right, okay, that's that's not great. <laughs> it's not great. But it was a great <laughs> opportunity for him as well. You know, to go to Hearts and, and head up their, their, their youth at the time. Mm-hmm. It was too good an opportunity to turn down, so yeah. it was disappointing for us as a squad, though. Yeah. A few people that we've had in the podcast who have worked with uh, Jack Ross, everyone's very complimentary of him. But he was replaced by Guillaume Boozelin. What was the differences between Jack Ross and Do you Boozy? know, Boozy was brilliant. He, he really was. Boozy was excellent. He came in and he was such an enthusiastic guy. You know, you're, he's so... He just loves football. He just lives and breathes football, and I'm not surprised that he, he obviously went to Hamilton and, and, and did really well when he, when he got a full-time opportunity. That He was only with us, maybe... I want to say four or five months before he got that opportunity so he was brilliant as I say he was really really good really nice guy and his sessions were good as well because again it was something completely different mm-hmm. and something that we we hadn't done before so I've, no, not, nothing but positives to say about, about Boozy it was good The way the team played seemed to change in that, that season 14-15 season uh, can you tell me about um, tell me about that season I, rem- I remember we, 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 it was a much harder season You know, that was the season that Rangers, Rangers Hearts, Hibs, Hibs, Hearts were all in the league and the standard of that compared to what you had in Plymouth, the standard was always really good but then when you add in three clubs of that magnitude in, in Scottish football you're thinking right okay this is going to be really really tough Aloha and Cowdenbeath with other part time teams and you were thinking I, I remember us, we did discuss that and say right we finish we, we win that mini league and we're, in, we're, we're safe You know, and that was, the, that was the aim at the start of that season because we knew going to the big clubs it would be very very difficult mm-hmm. to, to get points and that was probably the change in style that the manager thought, right, if we go with a gung-ho approach of the season before when we conceded 63 goals, we'll concede 100 goals. <laughs> and the, the effect that that would maybe have on morale, they probably took all that into, into mm-hmm. account and, and decided to go with a, a bit more of a pragmatic approach. You enjoy the games against the big teams? Yeah, I did. We didn't win many. I, I, I'm 
almost going to say we didn't win any, I don't think. And I think, bizarrely enough, that was a good thing because the games we won were against Cowdenbeath and Aloha mm-hmm. and the other games that matter. I remember Aloha that season, I think they, I want to say they beat Rangers once at least. They beat them in the... I remember they beat them in the, the Challenge Cup. Cups. But I think they, they got good results against them in the league as well. They beat Hibs in the league. They had good results against the mm-hmm. bigger teams but we beat them every game and that's ultimately what kept us up was that and I remember obviously when I then went to Allo and speaking to a few of the guys Homer and you know they were like we just, we just couldn't beat you <laughs> no matter what we did we, we, we just didn't and, and that was in their heads when we were going to play them which made such a difference and I think those points that we gained against the teams round about us made such a difference in us, mm-hmm. in us staying up that year but it was enjoyable to go go to Ibrox go to Tynecastle was a brilliant place to play mm. absolutely fantastic the atmosphere's Red hot there. It's the fans right oh, on top of you as well. Really, really enjoy it. You get a lot of abuse, but it's great. It's, <laughs> it's brilliant because you can hear it all, and it, it does feel as if there's a lot more fans there than, than there probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Easter Road, the surface is always absolutely mm-hmm. magnificent to, to play there. So, really enjoyed that side of it, and that was that was our reward for the season before. But mm-hmm. for, for making sure that we stayed in the league, was getting to go and play at these places. So the seventh place uh, finish. That's a, a good achievement in that season. Yeah, again, we stayed up comfortably. There was no. No last day drama. There was no, you know, last few weeks we were, we were safe, and that's a weird feeling now because I think the last four or five seasons I've always been involved in, <laughs> in the uh, crazy things. So it was, I it, it was weird at Dumbarton because we were always kind of safe with a few weeks to go. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was. But again, it is a big achievement. It's something that you only look back on now. Maybe at the time you're thinking, oh, seventh, that's all right. But looking back now, you think, oh, that was good. We did well. Oh, definitely. Now, uh, Ian Murray had agreed to take over at St Mirren at the end of the season. Did you see his departure coming? Yeah, yeah. When, you, when you've when you been as successful as we had and, and he had yeah. as, as a manager. He kind of achieved all he could yeah. at Dumbarton. Absolutely. And you knew the opportunity would come. And you knew, again, he was, an, he was one that didn't hide it as well, that we knew he was going to go full-time. We knew the opportunity would arise. It, it came at St Mirren, um, which seems to be a recurring theme with managers that I work <laughs> under. Um, and, you know, he, he got the opportunity. And we, listen, we wished him good luck. There was no no hard feelings from us. We knew that the opportunity would, would come and um, and it, it didn't work out for him. As, as St Mirren, as I'm sure he would have... Would have hoped, but mm-hmm. he didn't get a lot of time either. So no. you know, I would I would say that about him. He didn't get a lot of time, but um, we appreciated what what he did for us and mm-hmm. wished him all the best. Yeah, so Peter Grant next and Mirren manager then. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> Just stick on, get it on the now. Uh, Ian Murray was replaced in the summer of 2015 by Steve Aitken. He'd uh, punched well above his weight uh, with Stranraer uh, the previous few years. Um, what were your initial impressions of him? Well, I knew I knew Stevie from playing with his brother mm-hmm. Chris uh, Sterling for a long time. So initially, I was thinking, that's, that's, I'm happy with that. That's that's good. Met up with him. Would have been before pre-season to to iron out, you know, signing and things like that. And I got, I say, I got a good vibe. There was no issues. He he said he wanted me to stay on as as captain and and things like that. So that obviously was music to my ears. I was mm-hmm. like, that's that's good. I'm happy with that. Came back for pre-season. Things were fine. There was no issues and. Two weeks into pre-season, he, he phoned me up and said, "Listen, you were Ian Murray's captain. You won't be my captain." And I thought, "That's a bit strange, but okay." He says, "I'm bringing in Darren Barr, who is going to be club captain. The experience he's had, that's that's the role he's going to fulfil, and he'll be my captain moving forward." And you, none of this when you first met him, none of that sort of conversation. No, absolutely not. No, when I first met him, as I say, it was you, you've been the captain for three years, and want that to continue. Wow. And it, to be honest, as I said to you before, it wasn't something that was that precious to me mm-hmm. so I did say 
I've got, that, that's fine. You know, and I thought in my head, I thought, all right, Dan. And I had no issue with, with Darren Barr as well. He's a brilliant guy, really, really nice guy, who I got on with fine. There was no, I, I would never ever hold a grudge against him or anything like that. And he came in, and I thought to myself, bro, right, okay, I'll be. And in my head, I'm going, I'll be Darren Barr's partner. We'll be the, the centre half pairing, thinking, right, okay, that's fine. We started the season playing against Hibs at home. Yeah, he beat them 2 1. 1 2 1. Yeah, I played that day. Darren was injured. So I played alongside Gregor Buchanan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we won 2 1. I was thinking, happy days. But, but was uh, Gary Fleming captain the side that day? He did, yeah. yeah. So I, I remember Steve Aitken saying to me that Dan Barr would pick who he was going to have as his vice captain. Dan asked me, and, and I said, look, let's just. I'm not. There's no issue here with right. going captain vice. I said, let's just draw a line under it and, you know. Andy, you want it's, it's not an issue. So that was that was fine. That was Gaz was the Barton legend, still is a Dumbarton legend. <laughs> and it, you know, there was no issue there at all. But as I say, played the game, thought to myself, brilliant, two one. What a result. You know, playing Hibs at home, that's the first time I'd beat any of the, the, the big guns in, in that league. So went to sit on the following week and read the team out and I wasn't in it. And that was a hard one to take, to be honest. Any explanation? Um, no, not at the time, just read out the team and, and I and I wasn't in it. So that was frustrating from mm-hmm. my point of view. I went to sp- speak to him. I think I came on for the 91st minute at St Mirren to try and defend a corner. I think we were running again. Um, uh, so it was one of them. I was like, oh, okay, that's a bit out of the blue. You know, I didn't, I didn't anticipate that. Mm-hmm. So when I think we played on the Tuesday night against Queen's Park in the Challenge Cup. Yeah, I, uh, I Queen's, want to say. Queen's Park uh, won the match. It was my mistake, yeah. What happened? Which, I just tried a... a for the, I tried a turn in my box and basically <laughs> lost the ball um, and, and they scored I think it was extra time it might have been an yeah. extra time um, I blame Gary Fleming because he missed a penalty in the <laughs> 87th minute to, to win it for us so um, I always hold that I always say that I always say it was you it was actually your fault no it wasn't I'm getting on um, we nearly put it at the, at the stadium but uh, no it was my, my mistake for the, for the goal so the manager wasn't happy after the game and I was still frustrated from the Saturday you know, it wasn't. It was one of them. I, I hadn't had a good game in the Tuesday. My head was not where it should have been. Um, and he said, "If MD's got a, MD's got an issue, if MD wants to, if MD doesn't want to be here, then tell me now." And I says, "Add that me, yeah, me." Then he then said, "No, we'll not speak about it now. We'll speak about it at training." Went to training, had a chat, and he said, "Listen, I'm bringing in another centre half. You're going to be fourth choice centre half." At that point, I'd went. Two, so it, was, it can all just happen very quickly yeah, I'd, seem, I'd went from it doesn't sound like you had much of a chance under him no listen people make their own decisions and that's the decision that he went with that what he saw from me in training or what he saw from me in games that, that I wasn't good enough and that was the decision that no, this just seems so, so there was no explanation as to the, the, the thinking process behind these decisions no I, f- I found it bizarre at the time I have to say um, and then when he said that he was bringing in Fraser Wright and I was then going to be fourth choice and a half I said right well I'm at an age where I want to play football. Yeah. I love playing football. I've loved my time at Dumbarton, but this is this is coming to an end here. You know, so there's there's no there's no there's no way I can go from leading the team out every week to sitting in the stand every week, knowing that there's a high chance I'm not going to get back in the team. You need as a player, whenever I've been out of the team, you need to know that if you're at it in training or if you get a chance and you get the jersey, that you keep it. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that I didn't feel at that point. So I thought, right. It's the writing's on the wall. It's just part ways, and that, oh. that's that's inevitably what what happened. That's a really sorry way to finish things up at uh, Dumbarton, given that you'd three very successful years there previously. 
yeah, but as I say, the older you get, the more you reflect on it. And you, I look back and I still thoroughly enjoyed my time at Dumbarton. I don't look at the club in a, in a negative way at all because I had a great time there and great, great dressing rooms. As I say, the three mm-hmm. years I was there, it was, it was fantastic. I met some brilliant people there throughout the club as well. You know, the, the supporters were excellent with us as well. So, no, it's, it's something that, that happens in football. And the older you get, the more you realise that that is what happens for whatever reason it happened and, and I had to move on. We'll come on to talk about this later, but it was uh, Steve Aitken's Dumbarton that you relegated with Alwa. And I know that you've got uh, close links with the club and, and you've spoken there how much you enjoyed it, but did that give you a bit of satisfaction to... Yeah. Yeah, it did. There's, there's no doubt about it. You, I could sit here and say, that, give the, the political party answer and say, <laughs> no, 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 it was it was disappointing to but, but no, it did. It gave myself, not just myself, there was a few boys that had played under under Steve at Dumbarton that of course there was a it, it sort of exodus of boys that had gone from Dumbarton to it was Gaz there was Tags Scott Taggart there was Jordan Kirkpatrick Kevin Colley Kevin Colley there was a good few of us in, in that dressing room that were pretty motivated for the, the playoff final let's say that so after leaving Dumbarton why are United? in all honesty they were the first team to phone me yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ian McCall didn't mess about I'll, I'll give him that he, I think he phoned it was the Saturday I left and I think he phoned on the, on the Sunday how and did he know you were available? For Scottish football <laughs> word of mouth it travels pretty fast I would have thought um, so it was pl- pleasing in a sense because there was that apprehension I, I knew I was leaving Dumbarton it was very late in the in the transfer window if you want to call mm-hmm. that but in, in the season you know the season started teams have already got their squads there was a real worry for me I, I, I was I was worried thinking where am I going to go you know what am I going to do and it's not a nice feeling it's a, it's, it's a horrible feeling because I wanted to play in the championship I wanted yeah. to stay at that level there wasn't the, the, the option to do that so when Ian McCall phoned it just felt right I just thought to myself you know what I had a couple other offers I remember Steny Brown Ferguson phoning me at Stenis Muir but at the time, I just felt that I'd spoke to him McCall first, and that was that was good enough for me. I'm, I'm quite like that. You know, if I've said to somebody that I'm really interested, then that's that's what I was going to do. So it was, um, and I'm glad I made the decision that I did. As a shame you've been a good player for Stenhouse <laughs> as well. Uh, what's he McCall like? Oh, crazy! He's, he's, he's brilliant. <laughs> I, I got on. I got on well with, with McCall. He, he just aye, lunatic. Boys that have played under him will tell you that he's. He's a character, that's for sure. You give me some examples then of uh, oh, what he's like. Think of, of Ian McCall's character. <laughs> it was um, sometimes he would just he'd just turn up at training, start firing down cones. And we're going. We didn't take much of the training. Didn't the only time he took training was really if it was volleys. He loved to, he loved to play in the, in, the, in the wee volley thing, or if it was a wee box. Maybe he'd, he'd come in and there's not a chance he would begin in the box. By the way, if he gave the ball away, <laughs> he would stand his ground forever, no matter what. If it was his, his pass, he would just stare at the person until they walked in and took the. Um, and he was just coming to start firing cones and we're going oh no here we go here we go and he start doing runs right but normally in football you'll do runs and it'll be the same runs that you do and it'll be sets of six and you'll do three sets of six no not 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 under not under Ian he would you'd say Gaffer how many are we doing don't know <laughs> and you're thinking oh no you're just running to be dropped here but <laughs> it was the way he came across doing it he was he was funny. Um, I have to say, and he was he was a good manager to work under in that in that regard. Good man, manager as well. Somebody you could talk to. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. That's what I mean. He was. He was funny with the the, the boys, and he, he would always have something to say when he came in the dressing room. That's for sure. So yeah, yeah, no issues with Wayne. 
Air United recruited some pretty impressive players that summer. They signed Greg Fleming from Stennis Weir. He'd had a really good season the previous year. Alan Troughton came in from Brecon City and he brought in Paddy Boyle and, and Ross Doherty from Airdrieonians. I mean, what was your impression of the, the team of players you were joining? Yeah, re- really good. That, that was... I was the car school I ended up joining there that you just described at the end, <laughs> Trout and Doherty, <laughs> Paddy Boyle, who was was brilliant, what a guy he is, yeah. he's fantastic for, for morale and things like that, and um, and Big Jerry, that was that was my, my car, so uh, it was... Um, tell, me, tell me about Big Jerry, what's, uh, what's he like to Jerry play alongside? I, I couldn't have felt more guilty than the day I came in, I came in, um, I think it was the, I came in the training on a Thursday, so I'm thinking to myself, right, the game's Saturday, I'll probably not, I'll not be straight in, that's no issue, I, I need to work my way into the team, because the team had started well, and I remember he read the team out and I was playing and Jerry wasn't playing and I thought, oh man, here we go. And after the game, Jerry's like, I had a wedding today and I asked for it off and he said no, <laughs> that I had to cut. And I was like, oh man, I, I, the guilt, I doom. I really did. I, I just thought, oh, here we go. Great start. You've came in. You've wound everybody up right away. Because it was just that way. I thought, oh, here we go. Um, and it was difficult. I'd say that was probably, it was a hard thing to do was join a dressing room when it's already formed. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd had to do that, not being in from day one. And that, that's difficult. I'd say that's a hard thing to do. You're not probably, I mean, Alan Trout will probably vouch for this, that he sees a different person now at Aloha, mm-hmm. or he saw a different person when he joined Aloha to the person that I probably was at here, because you have to be a bit more respectful to the, the dressing room hierarchy when, when you go in. And, and you can't just go in and be the person that you, you want to be right away. Well, I don't think you can anyway. You've got to respect that, you know, there's Get your feet under the guys table that have first. been there that, that you know, You've got to give them the respect they deserve. So, but as I say, the, the dressing room were great. Then it was a brilliant, brilliant team. Mm-hmm. Really good young players. You know, Alan Forrest, really talented player. Robbie Crawford, yeah, um, really good side. Jordan Preston was up um, from from England. Craig Moore was was firing them in as well. We had a, a lot of good players in that team. You had a, a pretty good defence. You had Paddy Boyle on one side, Nicky Devlin on the other, yeah. and you and Peter Murphy uh, played the middle for most of the year. What was Peter Murphy like to play alongside? Obviously, had a brilliant career down yeah. in England for many years with Carlisle. Yeah. How do you find uh, partnering him? Yeah, it was no problem at all. Murph was very experienced at that point, the two of us were. And I think over the season, I think between the two of us and Jerry, we just we did rotate quite a lot. I think we all probably played more than you know, 20, 27, 28 games mm-hmm. at that point. So we, we did all. Um, play with each other at different points, and but I enjoyed playing with, with, with Murph. He was very good, mm. great player on the ball. You know, because he was a midfielder when he was down south for a long time, and uh, you know you could see that with the way he played and he cultured left foot on him. And it was it was no, it was good to play with. And as you say, Nicky Devlin was was just a road runner, an absolute machine. A very um, fit boy. Oh, aye, aye. ridiculous a fit boy. Um, to to get up and down the line. So it was it was it was a good. Good back four and a good side, really good side. Before we talk about the playoffs, is there any moments that stick out from that season? I get asked to play right back again for a game because Nicky was suspended. I didn't enjoy that. When he McCall saying to me, he says, I'm going to play. I thought, oh, here we go. Um, but it was home to Stranraer in the league, actually, but I think we've done okay. What, so um, what's, if you describe yourself as a right back, what would you say about yourself? Back in the day, I was a marauding right back. Yeah. I, was, ah, I love getting forward. Um, but that time, no, 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 no not so didn't much. Cross the halfway not line. so much. I was thinking, right, okay, let's just um, <laughs> play my way into the game. Uh, <laughs> I think I Alan Trout in front of me that day, which was good. So I just kept giving him the ball because he, he just wants the ball all the time, the wee man. So I just kept giving him the ball. So no, it was it was it was a good season. Um, as I say, the, the playoffs didn't go that well for me. I, I played in the first game up at Peterhead, mm-hmm. and we won. 4-1 I want to say yeah yeah, it was superb in yeah, that match Jordan, I remember Jordan Preston scoring an absolutely ridiculous goal um, we won 4-1 and I played with a, a, a slight groin injury because 
Jamie Adams wasn't available. I think he was either suspended or injured. Um, so I'd played that game, but I was I was kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the manager saying, "Look, rest on the you know, I'm confident that four one coming back to to Somerset. Aye. We've done enough basically. So not putting the squad, just try and recover for for the final basically. Did that, but the boys." One in the Saturday, I think one nil or something. We were through anyway. Um, Jamie played centre half and and played well. And we read it the team on the Tuesday, and I wasn't in it. And I thought, oh, here <laughs> we go, man! I couldn't believe it. I was like, I knew I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> um, so that was disappointing from, from my point of view because I didn't expect it. And I, it's, I think it's always it's always harder when you don't expect it. I think as a, as a player, it's something that if I'm ever lucky enough to go into, go into management, I think it's something I would always take with me is that. When somebody reads out that team or somebody flips that chart over and you expect to be playing, and you're not, it's the most horrible, one of the most horrible feelings you can get in football, and it's something that I think managers. I'm not saying they need to explain every decision. I'm not because you can't explain to someone every week why they're not playing. But yeah. I think if somebody thinks they're going to play and they're not, it's it's a horrible way to, way to be. So it was disappointing that down at Stranraer, mm-hmm. not playing. Um, it was one each the first game. Uh, sure. so that, that was uh, aye, one each one apparently each. As we've had Mark McGuigan and Paddy Boyle on the podcast in the past they say it was one of the, both legs were some of the two of the worst games of football yeah. they've ever been involved in I would 100% agree with that it was Turgid. a horrific final uh, overall you know the, the 180 minutes were, were, were dreadful um, I remember Ross Dockett scoring aye. for the first time ever <laughs> but what a strike it was as well what a goal to, to get us back in at, at one each and I remember that the, the final was just it was such a poor, poor game. I, there was barely any chances. I remember. We well, why was that? Why was it such a poor? Given I, how well both teams had done earlier in the season, I think sometimes in playoffs it can go either way. It can go to the point where one team says, Do "You know what? We're going for this because we, we we deserve we, we we want to give this our best chance, and we're just going to go for it." And the game can be entertaining, or it can get to the point where both teams know what's at stake, and it's right. It's cagey. I think if it's a draw after the first leg. Second leg's always going to be cagey. I think if one team's coming in with a lead, mm-hmm. the other team's always just going to go for it. I think more, more often than not, and I think that was the case. We'd drawn the first leg, and the second leg was, was even worse than the <laughs> first. Um, I was on the bench till half time. Ah, uh, you placed Michael Donald at half time. Yeah, come on at half time. The, 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 the manager wasn't happy with, with what he saw, and and not not from Mikey, just from the team in general, mm-hmm. and decided to to make a change. So I was delighted to get on. You know want to play in these games that's why you play football I say this all the time you want to play in the, in the, the biggest games so I was buzzing to come on and I, I, I touched on resilience earlier in, in, in the podcast and I think that that going through all those experiences meant that when the playoff final when I was told at half time you're going on I was like brilliant so it wasn't a case of oh, see I've not, I've not started which which it could have been mm-hmm. you know I could have been like well, I don't really want to go on I was, I was delighted to go on because you, you wanted to play in the game and you wanted to win promotion because you yeah. know how that feeling feels so I was delighted to get on the pitch but you weren't able to improve the quality of the match absolutely not <laughs> no, if, if anything I, I, I detracted from the quality it was, a, it was a poor poor game of football so you expected to go to penalties then I said to the ref at full time I said you'd be well just going to penalties because <laughs> there was no way a goal was getting scored in that game of football it was very poor. So yeah, no, it's penalties was what I was expecting. <laughs> right, so, so tell me about the penalties themselves. You'd play a really important uh, part in them. Yeah, it was... I've always... I think I've always taken a penalty in every shootout I've been involved in anyway. Or I've put my name forward anyway, if it's, whether it's got to me or not at that point. Um, it's, it's another thing, but Greg Fleming was was, was incredible. You know, he's, oh, he's a great, great, uh, great shot stopper. Uh, good. Saved three out of the four pens. And I mean, when, when you've got that, you're, that's you, you're jamming. So... It, 
great start. He saved, I think, the first two, and we scored the first uh, the first two. So you're thinking, like, this is brilliant. I, I was at that point. I'm thinking, this isn't going to get to me because they missed <laughs> the first. They missed the first three. They missed the next one. And Doc went up. Ross Doc went up to win it. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to get. I was four. And I'm not going to get a penalty. This is happy days. Who cares? I'm going to put it in Doc. And uh, and he missed. And I thought, oh, here we go. Um, but then Willie Gibson was up next. And I thought. It's actually the point here where if he misses, I still don't know you hit a penalty, so there's no issue here. But to be fair to Willie, he, he, he scored, and then it kind of realization dawns that oh, here we go, right? My, pe- my turn. <laughs> no, let's not do a, what, what Doc done and, and, and miss. So. so you normally hit penalties. I've always put my name forward uh, to, to hit a penalty when it goes to a shootout. I just always, I've always had the the feeling that if you don't, or if I don't, this is in my head, not everybody else's. <laughs> if I don't hit a penalty, then I'll always regret it. I'll always go away thinking. I could have scored a penalty I might have missed a penalty and I've missed them in my career but you've got to think at least then I'm in control or in control of what I do so mm-hmm. if, I, if if I can help the team in any way then I want to do that so I'll always put my name forward for, for a penalty so. so do you remember the penalty itself then? Yeah I remember going up and Cammy Belford was a goalkeeper he'd went to his left three times and I thought that's enough for me I'm, I'm going the other way <laughs> so he made my mind up for me and uh, thankfully he went the wrong way so there was no kind of suspense as to whether he was going to get it or not the second I saw him go that way I was like oh, here we go we're in so um, it was, what a feeling that was that was yeah. aye, that was right up there just to that's, you're in, in the moment aren't you if you scored the winning penalty and Greg Fleming saved three of them so it was, it was just pitch invasion and, and, and chaos really so brilliant good way to end the season then oh yeah absolutely brilliant way to end the season you, you, Especially when you'd had that wee bit of disappointment near the end, so to, to end it on, on that note was was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I should actually touch on when I talk about penalties, Alan Trouton. Oh, he's one of the best penalty takers. I don't understand why referees bother making him hit a penalty anymore. I, do, I genuinely don't because it's a disgrace. He will all he just goes up and he, laser guided. It's like right in the corner. But sometimes sometimes he just waits in the goalie diving, and I'm like, I I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can do it, but he's. Unbelievable, and it's it's the best feeling in the world when you get a penalty because mm-hmm. in your head you're going, it's a goal, it's a goal. <laughs> I used to I used to go up for rebounds the whole my whole start of my career, but since um, Trousers came to Allah, I don't even go for rebounds. I stand <laughs> in the centre circle. It's um, incredible. Were <laughs> so, you disappointed then not to, or in fact, were you surprised not to have been uh, kept on in, in that summer? Do you know, not really. In my heart of hearts, overall my season at Air, I wasn't. I found it. I found it. The travel down there and the fact that we changed the stadium and we drove fifteen minutes up to a school to train, and then the drive back and it was it was long. It was it was and working in Livingston, so to get to air at rush hour, right, Jings, that wasn't ideal. So you know it was there was a lot of I think the travel did get to me as well. It was it was tough. It was hard going, and I know people travel to other places and stuff. But at that, at that point in, in my life, I had a young 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 child and an alien. I was finding it difficult to be mm-hmm. honest. So probably mentally, I wasn't in a great place that season. Although we did brilliant, and you know, I, I had no issue with the club or the, the changing room was great. Nothing in, in that regard. It was just probably that side of it took its toll on me. And when it came to being offered a new contract, I wasn't overly surprised when when Ian, Ian McCall didn't offer me one. You know, I knew that myself and Murph getting older, he would pick one really, and it, cho- it, it turns out he, cho- he chose Murph, which. No issue with that at all. That's he did say though that uh, not keeping you on was one of the biggest mistakes in his career. I mean, how does it feel to hear him say that? I think he says that to me all the time, so that I have a, a nightmare <laughs> against this team. I think he just says that so that I, 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 I soften up, maybe. So it's no, that's nice to hear, and it's that's part of football is proving people wrong. And, and I'd like to think that 
maybe maybe I've maybe I have done that. If he's saying that, then 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 maybe I have. So it's it's a nice thing to hear. But at the time, it, it wasn't something that really surprised me. It wasn't it wasn't a shocker. It wasn't like leaving the Barton where I'd went, oh my word, what's happened? Yeah, yeah it wasn't like that. It was, yeah, okay, that's your decision, and I knew kind of knew that you were going to go with that. So that's that's no issue. That's magic, Andy. Cheers. Join me again soon for the final part of our interview where Andy talks about his three years with Aloha Athletic. In the meantime, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Just search for Telemies Pelly. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Pelly Podcast.